Uh, friends, we are uh, continuing. Uh, we have been talking for the last um, three weeks now about post-resurrection appearances by Jesus. We talked about the road to Emmaus last uh, two weeks ago. We talked about Jesus appearing to the disciples in the upper room and his whole encounter with Thomas as he was doubting that, um, that uh, appearance. And then today we have um, another passage from John's Gospel. This one takes place a little bit later. It takes place as the disciples were starting to return to normal life, if you will. Gosh, there's a lot of conversations in our culture right now about returning to normal and what is the new normal. And it seems like the disciples were also struggling with what is the new normal now that Jesus has um, died, Rumor is he's been resurrected. What does that mean for us? I think as we read these passages, we, uh, we read ourselves into it because we're also the post-resurrection church. We didn't see the resurrection for ourselves. But here, let's read this passage from John's gospel. This is uh, John chapter 21, beginning in the first verse. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood up on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the lake. But the other disciples came in on the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. 
A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go where you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. This passage is uh, full of a lot of um, really, really significant themes in the scripture. We have in John's gospel, John's gospel begins um, with a wonderful prelude and, and um, introduction to the gospel. But the very first time Jesus comes onto the, the scene, it is at a wedding feast in Cana. And at this wedding, you may recall the story, Jesus turns water into wine. They had run out of, out of wine and Jesus takes the barrels of water that were there. Are we back? Yes, you can hear me. We're, we're, we work on these challenges every week and then something new pops up. Anyway, back to the story. So we were talking about the, the Cana miracle. And then, so that's the first miracle in John's gospel. And then this is the very last chapter of John's gospel where we have another miracle, a miracle of abundance. We have, um, there's a lot going on here in these details and a lot going on in this story. John, John, um, as a gospel writer, likes to include all these little scintillating details. We have 153 fish. Nobody really knows why. We have uh, the story of um, Peter on the ship or the boat, and he jumps off because he gets so excited because he saw Jesus. Peter is kind of known for being impetuous, um, but he jumps off the boat naked, it says. Scholars tend to think that that was probably that he was just, uh, that he had taken off his outer garments for fishing and then one would normally always wear uh, an outer garment when you were in uh, public, um, but he forgot. Um, <laughs> um, so we have all these little Johannine details, but what we have here is the story of abundance. So there's a lot of things going on in this text. So first we have a fishing story, lots of fishing stories in the gospel. A lot of the early disciples were fishermen by trade. And so we have Peter and the other disciples kind of going back to normal life. Here it is a week after the resurrection. And to their mind, um, you know, they don't know what to make of this. They spent three years following around Jesus. They watched all the miracles. Clearly something was happening. They watched him be crucified. Rumor has it he was resurrected. And they really want to believe that. But I don't know. What do we do now? What do we do now? We are 
back to square one. And so they go back to their village. They go back to Galilee. John calls Galilee uh, Tiberias. Um, so they go back there and they start resuming their normal life, but it's not working. They're trying to catch fish and nothing is happening. And Jesus calls to them from the shore, says, cast your nets on the other side. And sure enough, they bring in way more fish than they could possibly haul in. Their, their attempt at sort of going back to normal wasn't going to work. Jesus was calling them to something different. And the difference that Jesus was calling to them was not a life of... Um, you know, mundane things. It was a life of miracles. It was a life of abundance. And so Jesus calls to them and they come ashore. And then we have Jesus doing this very Jesus-y thing. He uh, breaks bread with them. He, he grills some fish. They have a barbecue. Lots of, of stories in the gospels about Jesus eating with people. So we have that. If you were to say, what's, what's a very, uh, you know, Jesus-y thing to do? It would be to break bread, to have meals with people. Again, in, in the last week's encounter, it wasn't the breaking of the bread um, that they knew that Jesus was with them. Again, now we are eating fish and bread by a campfire. And again, they know that Jesus is with them. But the other thing about this story that I think is so poignant is this beautiful encounter that Jesus has with Peter. Now, you might remember that Peter was called Simon Peter. Peter was one of, one of the 12 disciples, and Jesus named him Peter from Simon. He gave him a new name, also a very biblical thing to do. Gave him a new name, Peter, which means the rock. And Jesus says, you are the rock upon which I will build my church. And Jesus invites Peter into all of the most intimate moments of healing and encounter. He invites Peter up to experience the transfiguration. Peter has this eyewitness front row view to everything that Jesus does. And yet Peter, kind of like me, is often kind of bumbling. He doesn't quite get what Jesus is up to. He doesn't always understand uh, the miracles that are going on around him. He's always kind of just kind of making stuff up as he goes along, just like Peter, even in today's encounter, running out of the boat naked, you know, and, and not just waiting for the boat to come ashore like the other disciples, but he is just over eager and he comes out and he, he goes to see Jesus. So here it was that Peter, who had this very front row encounter with Jesus, on the night that Jesus shared his last meal with his disciples, Jesus said that one of them would betray him and one of them would deny him. And sure enough, before the cock had crowed in the morning, Peter, Simon Peter, the one that Jesus had sort of uh, groomed to be the rock of the church, had denied Peter, Jesus, three times. And you can imagine how Peter must have felt. Guilty, ashamed that he had wasted the last three years of his life, the three years that had utterly changed him and transformed him, that made more sense to him than anything in the world, that he had had this incredible, divine, holy, sacred encounter. And then he denied it right away. And so Peter 
you can imagine was devastated, utterly devastated. And a week after Jesus's death and resurrection, he doesn't know what he's gonna do with his life anymore. He doesn't know, none of it makes sense. What am I gonna do? And so he goes back to his usual routine and he goes back to fishing and tries to create a new normal. And then he meets Jesus at the lakeshore. Jesus feeds him, invites him back into community, back into relationship with him. And then Jesus sort of seems to pull him aside and said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I do. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I do. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you know that I do? You love me. Yes, Lord. Yes, you know that I do. Feed my sheep. For the three times that, G that Peter denied Jesus, Jesus gives Peter the opportunity three times to be redeemed and restored. Here is Peter who was utterly lost and despondent and confused and ashamed. And Jesus, in this abundance of grace, picks up Peter from his grave and pulls him back into new life. He pulls him into the resurrection story, creates a resurrection moment for Peter so that he could be restored, that he could be redeemed, that he could be resurrected with Christ. It is this beautiful encounter that totally transforms Peter from being despondent and ashamed and lost to being found and claimed and redirected. It is to me this just miracle of abundant grace a miracle of abundant resurrection. And I think these post-resurrection appearances, I'm so grateful that they are a part of the story because if the story just ended with Jesus's death and resurrection in an empty tomb, that would be wonderful and that would be life-giving and that would be transformative. But the amazing thing is it doesn't end there. It, it, keeps going. These resurrection, these post-resurrection appearances are about our resurrection. They are about us claiming new life. They are about us receiving the redemption and salvation and hope and resurrection that Christ brings. And so it's no longer just, just about Jesus's resurrection, which would be wonderful, but he's, you know, the Messiah. It's about our resurrection. That from whatever tombs we find ourselves in, whatever shame, whatever guilt, whatever remorse, whatever sorrow, whatever times that we have betrayed Jesus, that we have denied Jesus, that we have forgotten who we are, Jesus comes right back at us and says, do you love me? Yes. Come back in. And do you love me? Yes. Come back in. Do you love me? Yes. And the response is always one of, do you love me? Yes. Then what are you going to do about it? Care for my people. That's what I ask you to do. Feed my sheep. Tend my flock. Care for my people. Jesus makes it clear that our salvation, our resurrection is not simply a matter of 
just me and my Jesus, you know, that it's just all that matters is my personal salvation, but rather that our salvation is about the salvation of the world, that our hope is about the hope for the world, that our resurrection is about bringing resurrection life and love to everyone. And so Peter is given a charge yet again. He is given a commission. You have been redeemed. You have been restored, Peter. You have been resurrected. Now go and take care of my people. Go and tend my flock. The new normal for Peter is not a life of guilt and shame, not a life of remorse, not a life of, oh, I screwed up. There's no turning back. It is a life that brings him to resurrection. And not just him, but all of us through him and through one another and through relationship with Christ and through relationship with one another. We are called to be people of resurrection, resurrection and resurrecting love. As you go into this week, I want to invite you to be thinking about your resurrection story. Are there times where you have felt separated from God's love, that you had somehow said or did or done something that, that, that separated you from God? Or perhaps you felt that you had said or done something that had hurt a relationship in your life. The story, I think, reminds us, calls us always to be people of resurrection, of hope, to be people who know that God is always working toward our redemption. God never leaves us wallowing in our own sorrow and shame, but God calls to us. So as we go into this week, let's be looking. Let's be looking and listening for those moments where God reaches out to us, where God restores us, where God claims us, where God gives us that next opportunity for resurrection. These post-resurrection appearances are not about Jesus. They're about us. They're about us finding new life and knowing that Christ is always with us on the road, on the road to Emmaus, as we go about our normal daily life, as we try to find hope and peace and meaning in the midst of great uncertainty. Christ is present, calling us to be God's people, to be people of love and compassion. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your grace of appearing to us, appearing to Peter, coming back for us every time we lose our way, every time we get lost. You are a God that restores us and calls us back to you. And in this time when there is a great deal of uncertainty and anxiety, fear and doubt, call to us. Remind us of your love for us. Help us, God, to, to hear your voice. To hear your voice of mercy and peace, of resurrection and transformation. For we ask it in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.